today I was actually going to talk about the election. And I know church and politics really shouldn't mix or don't mix, but uh, uh, but I really wanted to talk about it because this election season has been so uh, so polarizing, and I wanted to just talk from a biblical point of view um, about it. But as I was, I, was, I was just studying about what to talk about today, I really felt the Lord was leading us in a different direction, and so I'm not going to be talking about the election per se today. Um, but this is what I do want to say about this election. So if you don't know. Tuesday is election day, um, and um, and then also this week is Veterans Day as well. So just want to give a shout out to all our veterans. Um, we have lots of people in our church who who have come in in and out because they're in the military and and, and different things. And then we've got those who have served. So thank you to all our veterans, and uh, thank you for what you've done in your service to to our country. Um, but uh, this is what I will say about Tuesday's election, and uh, regardless of who wins, regardless of what happens. God is in control. And it really doesn't matter who is elected, who's in office, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or somebody else. It really doesn't matter because God is in control. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, the hope that you have is that God is in control. And so, uh, so don't fear on Tuesday about what will or won't happen. Um, God is really in control. But what I wanted to talk to you today is just a little something different. On your chairs, you've got a piece of paper. A couple of pieces of paper, you've got a pencil, and then there's like this index card that you've got there. And what I want you to do, uh, I want us to do something interactive, and I want you to hold this card throughout what we're going to talk about today because we're going to reference it a lot. And on one side, I want you to write side one. And then on the other side, I want you to write side two. And for those of you who are like, you know, crazy, it doesn't matter which side, whether it's the line side or the plain side, just whatever. So side one and side two, because I know some of you are probably asking like, well, which one? You know, is it the line side or the line side? Okay, so after you've done that, I want you to turn it to side one. And this is what I want you to write. I'm going to make a statement, and then I want you to write your answer uh, down on side one. And the statement is this. What is the one thing that if you had or received, you believe would make your life more happy and full? What is the one thing that if you had or received, you believe would make your life happy or full? Let me give you an example. Some of you are probably going to write financial freedom or paying off debt. Some of you uh, may be writing a new job or a better career. Um, Others, you you may be writing reconciliation with my family or uh, to to have a better marriage. Uh, Some of you single people may be writing to get a man or to get a woman. And, uh, and, and then some of you might be writing, maybe writing a, a new house or a new car or, uh, you know, a, a, a better boss. Um, some of you may be writing on there, Trump wins. Others may be writing, Hillary wins. And then some of you may be writing, if aliens come and abduct both of them, so nobody wins. You know, I mean, whatever you want to write, what would make you happy and full? So make sure that you write that down on there. First thing that comes to your mind, don't, you know, spend all day thinking about it. Once you wrote that, I want you to flip to side two. When you flip to side two, I want you to draw a straight horizontal line, and I want you to scale it from zero to ten. Scale it from zero to ten. 
So on side two, draw the line, scale it from zero to 10. And on that, I want you to mark right now on a scale of zero to 10, where you think your relationship is with God right now. Let me give you a little clue. None of you are zeros, because if you were zero, you wouldn't be here right now. And for those who th you think you're all that and a bag of chips, none of you are a 10. Let me just tell you that right now. So really, one to nine, what are you? On your scale of one to nine, where is your relationship with God right now? Okay, I want you to hold this, and we're going to reference it to what we're going to talk about today. Let me ask you, as you think about your life right now, what keeps you up at night? What keeps you up at night? What, what, what consumes your time and your energy? What, what is the thing that you're thinking about most in life right now? As you look at side one, why did you write what you wrote on side one? Why did you write that thing? Why is that thing so important to you? Why do you think that would bring you happiness and make you full? As you look at your cards, ask yourself and be real with yourself right now. Would you say that you have focused more of your time and energy on side one than you have on side two? Have you focused more of your time and energy on side one than you have on side two? See, now most Christians, they, they, they would take a look at this and they would look at side one and most Christians would, would, would think there's nothing wrong in what they wrote on side one and, and the reality is most of the stuff that you probably wrote on side one is very le legitimate. It, it is probably something that may enhance your life or make your life better. It, it, it's something that, that, you know, would be a good thing if it happened in your life. But most Christians... Look at that, and they would say that God wants me to have what I have on side one. A lot of Christians, uh, they would say, well, th this is God's desire for me in my life. So they pray about it. They find scriptures to support it. And the charismatic ones amongst us, they would claim it in the name of Jesus. Because they think that God wants you to have what you have written on side one. Actually, many people think, well, just by me praying about it, it's bringing me closer to God. For me quoting scriptures about it, it's bringing me closer to God. But yet, often side one gets pursued at the neglect of side two. And maybe God does want you to have side one. I don't know. Maybe he does or doesn't. But this is what I know. God does not want you to pursue side one and the neglect of side two. Our nation is about to go to the polls on Tuesday, and I've heard Christians on both sides of the debate talk about how Christians, it's their duty to vote for the person that they believe we should be voting for. And so they tell everybody about it, because people have become so consumed or so concerned about who we should vote for, and people have been talking about the economy and immigration reform and health care, and they've been talking about choices for the Supreme Court justices, and the reality is None of that really is important. Our, our country does not really need all that stuff because our country needs God. Did you know we don't need better politicians? We need God. 
and in your life right now, you think that you need side one. That side one may be consuming your life right now, but the reality is side one is not as important as what you think it is. And so many people are saying through this election season, well, I wonder what Jesus would do. I wonder what Jesus would say. Remember back in the day we had these bracelets. What would Jesus do? Bracelets. And and, and people are now through this election. Well, who would Jesus vote for? And I tell you, this is what I think Jesus would say. After reading through the Gospels, I got a feeling Jesus would probably say, hey, quit worrying about the election. Quit worrying about the things that are side one. Instead, your focus should be worrying about how am I doing on side two? Is my relationship with God going from a one to a two or a two to a three or a four to a five, six to a seven, seven to an eight, eight to a nine, nine to a ten? And I think Jesus would be more consumed, concerned with what's going on in your life inside two than ever side one or ever this election. Last week, we finished up our Beatitude series, and Jim did a great job of uh, closing it out, talking about blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and, and we went through this, this series talking about eight statements that Jesus made at the beginning of a talk that he gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and that was in Matthew chapter 5, and, and, and in Matthew chapter 5, and Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7, you, you see Jesus' full sermon that he gave that day. And as Jesus carried on and started talking to the people, he made these incredible statements that towards the end of the, ser- the sermon, it would take incredible faith to believe. And one of those statements that Jesus made is what I want us to focus on today, and it's found in Matthew 6, verse verse 33, Matthew 6, verse 33. And this is what Jesus said. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Let me just say that again. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Ponder that for a moment. Let that sink in. The words of Jesus. Jesus is saying this to us. If you seek his kingdom above everything else and seek to live righteously, and we said righteous, to be righteous is to be in right relationship with God. So if you seek that relationship with God and that becomes first and foremost in your life, then God takes care of everything else. That's what Jesus is saying. If you focus on side two, God's going to take care of side one. If you focus on side two, God will take care of side one. See, our nation needs God. Because our nation is a nation that will only be righteous when we focus on side two instead of side one. And in your life, you need to focus on side two instead of side one. See, you may think that side one is going to bring you peace and happiness and joy. But in reality, it probably won't. See, when you focus on side two, 
When you focus on the kingdom of God and your relationship with God, you suddenly start to find the true meaning and purpose to life. You find real joy and real peace and real hope and real love. Now let me ask you, I want you to look at side one of your card. And as you look at side one, ask yourself, is side one in your life right now hurting side two? Is side one in your life hurting side two? See, I've known many of you for a long time, and some of you I've known just for a little bit. Some, we're still kind of getting acquainted. But this is what I know about many people that are in our church. I've known that the problems of side one has caused many sleepless nights. I've known that problems of side one has caused much anxiety and pain. For many of you, side one has caused many extra hours at work where you've spent more time trying to make more money than spending time with your family and, your, and dealing with your marriage. I know side one has caused some of you many tears. Some of you much tiredness. I know the pursuit of side one has caused many to, fa- to neglect their relationships with one another. And there's been fighting maybe in your family or in your marriage because of the pursuit of side one. And I've seen many people over the years in our community of faith, they have fallen in their faith and become inconsistent towards God and his church because side one took priority over side two. Because they were so consumed in pursuing the things that would make them happy and try to bring fullness into their lives. And this is what Jesus is saying to us. Newsflash, side one isn't as important as what you think. Side two is the most important thing in your life. And that is creating a better relationship with Jesus. See, I wonder if we spent as much time on side two as we did on side one, I wonder what our lives would look like. If we put as much energy into side two than we did side one, I wonder what our church would look like. I wonder how we would impact our community. I wonder about the greater Baltimore area, how that would be impacted. I wonder if all Christians throughout this nation, they focus more on side two than side one. I wonder where our nation would be right now. See, side one isn't as important as what you think. So often we have this soft view of Jesus. Many people think that Jesus was just like this hippie kind of guy who came around, said some nice things, was like, peace, everybody, you know, forgave people as much as he could and healed people when they came and looked past people's sins. And that's people's view of Jesus. He was this lovey guy who just loved everyone. And the reality is when you read the Gospels, you start to see that, yeah, Jesus was a man of love. But when you've experienced true love, you realize that love fights hard. Love does not shy away from saying the right thing, even when people don't want to hear it. He knew that when you build your life on side two, where God is continually first, you start to discover joy and love and peace and hope. And Jesus said sometimes some harsh things that when you first read it, seems almost, that can't have been Jesus. Jesus couldn't have said that. And one of those is in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And I remember that as a kid, the first time I read this, I was just like, wow, what is Jesus on? This is terrible. 
can't believe Jesus would say this to somebody. I, I, I've had it before where it, it, I, I've come from a Sunday morning or I've had a conversation with somebody and I've said some things and my wife has turned to me and she says, mm, do you think you were a little harsh there? I was like, mm, maybe. And I can imagine the disciples of Jesus coming to pull Jesus aside and saying to Jesus, Jesus, hey, look, Jesus, we know you've got good intentions, but tone it down just a little. You're scaring people away. Because this is one of the things that Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 59. A man had come and been intrigued by Jesus. And Jesus said to him, come, follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead Bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty harsh stuff, right? There's this guy, his father has passed away, and Jesus is saying, forget your father, come follow me. The kingdom of God is more important than your father. Then he says to another man who says, look, I just want to say goodbye to my family, like give my wife a kiss, give, give my kids a hug, and say bye to my parents, and then I can follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, you either come now and follow me, or not at all. See, it seems really harsh, but... In the Jewish culture, when somebody died, when a father died, the eldest son's responsibility was to bury his father. There was all this tradition and custom that they would have to go to. And it was the eldest son's uh, responsibility to do all that. Then they went into a period of mourning. And in the Jewish culture, that period of mourning could last up to one year. I mean, it kind of puts to shame what we do. I mean, someone passes in the, in the United States and we got them in the ground in two days. I mean, and we're like done the party and then we carry on. No wonder a lot of us deal with grief like years after because we don't go through that mourning process. But Jesus is saying to the guy, look, you can go and bury your father and you can go and mourn for a year, but this is what's going to happen. You're going to go away and you're going to forget all about me. Because right now, Following me is the most important thing in your life. And I think as Jesus was saying this, this, the sacrifice this man had to make. And wonder, what is the greatest sacrifice that you've ever made for God? Some of you, it was actually just getting out of bed this morning, come to church. You're like, man, you don't realize the sacrifice. I went without my coffee this morning. I remember, I was, as I was thinking this question, I was thinking about my life and I remember one of the sacrifices I made that just sticks out in me. It was a very you know, minor thing, but it just sticks out in my life. And it was in the year 1999. I mean, that was the year, people. I mean, the millennium hadn't even happened. We were talking about the millennium bug and uh, the clothing was crazy. The, the music was crazy, but I was in my prime. And 1999 came around. And my soccer team, Manchester United, had made it to the European Champions League final. It is the biggest 
competition for a club soccer team ever. And so if you make it to the final, you made it to the pinnacle. It's like the Super Bowl of soccer. And so my team had made it. They had not been there since the 1960s. So this was the most important game of my life. And I remember when, the, when they got through, I cheered, I watched the semi-final, and then I heard that the final was going to be on a Wednesday night. Back then, at the church I attended to, we had prayer meeting on Monday night and Bible study on Wednesday night. And I was going through a real rich spiritual time at, at, at that time, and I really put value on just going to church and spending time with other people, studying the scriptures and praying. And I had this tension. Do I watch Man United play or do I go to the Bible study that will be there next week? You know, so I I weighed these two options up and I really wanted this option to watch the game. But there was something in me said, you know what? As small as it is, I really need to put God first in my life and put the kingdom of God first in my life. So that Wednesday night. I set my VCR. Anyone remember what a VCR is? I set my VCR and I went to, to, to church and went to the Bible study. There was probably about 30 of us there that night. And like by the end, I was like falling asleep. And I was like, I wonder how my team's doing. I wonder how my team's doing. And on the way home, I made sure I didn't know the score. I mean, it was before we had like Facebook and Twitter and you could check your app on your phone. All I had to do was switch the radio off in the car. I went home. I, 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 got, my VC, I, I got my VHS, plugged it, put it back in, and I started to watch it. And throughout the game... Man United were losing, and they got to the 90th minute, and they were 1-0 to zero down. And I was like, it was probably a good job I went to church. And then the most unbelievable happened. It's gone down in history as one of the greatest moments of soccer history. Man United scored two goals in injury time, and they won the European Cup. I mean, it was amazing to think about it. And I'm like, and I missed it live because I was at a Bible study. I went to bed that night. I was like, nah, wish I could have seen that live. I woke up the next morning. I was like, yay, Man United won. Okay, what's going on with the rest of the life? And I remember driving to work that morning thinking, you know, even though it was just the Bible study, I'm so glad I put God before anything else in my life that night. And I know that God was probably testing me that day. And it's not saying it's wrong to miss church, to go watch your favorite team in the biggest game of all time. But I was showing God he was first. But my sacrifice was nothing compared to this guy having to bury his father. And the words of Jesus can seem so harsh and unfair at times. And some would read it and think it's just a killjoy following Jesus. But it's, it's actually the exact opposite because Jesus is not a killjoy. Jesus is the one who has come to bring joy. And so in your life, when you put God first, it's not that you lose out. It's that you gain. And to bring, to bring this in perspective, then we really need to go back to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6... 
Verse 19, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there is the desire of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Then Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you, you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? See here, Jesus deals with one of the main issues in life, the things that we desire. And where, this is what I believe. Whether you believe in God or not, everybody, they want a blessed life. They want to be blessed. They want to have a good life, a full life, a prosperous life. We want to feel good about ourselves. And Jesus understands that people are so consumed with the treasures of this life that their pursuit for them turns them away from the eternal. You see, when our focus becomes more on the temporary rather than the eternal, we come out from under the freedom of God. And that is when life starts to become a struggle. I'll say that again. When we focus more on the temporary than the eternal, that is when we come out from under the freedom of God And that is when life becomes a struggle. Where there was once peace, now there's sleepless nights. Where there was once joy, there is now just a little melancholy. Where once there was hope for tomorrow, there's anxiety for today. And where once the world was light and bright, now it's dark and gloomy like it's going to be at six o'clock tonight because the clocks went back. Jesus is telling us that when you desire side one, you'll start to find that life isn't as good as when you start to pursue side two. Let's carry on. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 26. He said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And don't they work? They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is what Jesus is saying. When side two reigns. When side two is pursued, God takes care of side one. As we close today, 
I want to finish with just a story. I'm going to ask Zoe to come back. This is a real-life story of some people that put side one over side two. A couple of thousand years ago, there was a nation called the nation of Israel who had a king called King Uzziah. King Uzziah was one of the greatest kings in Israel. The Bible says that his fame spread across the world. That during his time, there was economic prosperity. The storehouses were full. The the livestock were multiplying. And everybody thought that Israel was blessed. Everybody look and think, God is blessing Israel. Then God spoke to a guy called Joel. Joel was a prophet of God, meaning God spoke to him to give a message to others. And God said to Joel, Joel, everything is not as it seems. While they are financially booming, they're actually spiritually in recession. Said that this is not going to last. That hard times are going to come. And so Joel, he went and started to tell the people that when you focus on the temporary, then then instead of the eternal, you'll soon find out that the temporary is just that. It's just temporary. And in the middle of their prosperity, Joel starts to to tell the people that bad days are going to come. In fact, he said that there's going to be locusts that are going to come and destroy the land, going to destroy the crops, and the financial prosperity that you're seeing right now will not last forever. See, when you are in spiritual recession, you start to lose the joy and the peace and the love that the kingdom of God provides. And as Joel paints a bleak picture for the future of Israel, he then makes this plea to them. And in Joel 2, chapter, Joel chapter 2, verse 12, he says this. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now, while there is time. Give your hearts, come with fasting, weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in your grief, but tear your heart instead. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows, perhaps He will give you a reprieve sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Then he says this, Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, and even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Then let's fast forward to verse 25. After they did all that, Joel says, The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. To the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. Who knew there were so many locusts? 
It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want. And you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel. And that the Lord your God... And there is no other, never again will my people be disgraced. And he said this, Then after doing these things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth. Joel says this, in this moment, you are to go from side one to pursuing side two. He calls a solemn meeting. A solemn meeting was a day that they set aside to pray and fast and dedicate their lives to the Lord. And Joel says, if we do this, then God will bless us. And as I was reading that this week, I felt God just saying that we as a church need to set aside a day, a solemn day, that we are going to pray and fast as a church together. So on your chair, there's these little flyers that says day of prayer. And so on November 16th, Wednesday, November 16th, we are going to set aside a day as a church to pray and fast and dedicate our lives to God where on that day we will focus more on side two than we will on side one. And whether you're at work that day or you're at home or you're on vacation or whatever, I, I just ask that you would set some time aside that day to pray. Miss a couple of meals. Put the phones away, turn the tablets off, turn the TV off and set some time aside to pray. There's six things I want us to pray for. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for our families, our marriages, our children. Pray for our hearts. I want us to pray for our church, that we would be a light that shines in this community. Pray for our neighbors and our co-workers and our friends. And then finally pray, like Joel prayed, that there would be the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon us. Because side one is letting us down. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. and God will give you everything you need. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer and ask for the band to come back. And as your heads are bowed, what I want you to do, I want you to take that piece of paper, that card, and I want you to look at side one. And if you have been somebody you know in your heart that you've put side one over side two. You've pursued side one more than you've pursued side two. But as we've been talking today, you've been challenged and you know that God is telling you that you need to focus more on Him, that you need to put His kingdom above everything else. So if that's you, I want you to look at side one and Joel tells the people, he says that they are to turn, turn back to God. And so, as a symbol to God and to yourself, if that's you today and you know that you need to focus more on God, then what I want you to do, I want you just to turn to side two. And as we turn to side two, I want us to pray and I want us to pray this prayer.
Father God, we thank you for the kingdom of God. We recognize that your kingdom is not of the kingdoms of this world, but your kingdom is a place of joy and of peace. Your kingdom is a place of love and hope. Your kingdom is a place of forgiveness and mercy and grace and healing. And Father God, today, we desire to live putting your kingdom above everything else. We repent and we say we are sorry that we've pursued side one over side two. But from this day forward, let us be people and persons who pursue side two, where we pursue relationship with you above everything else. And we know what your promise is, Father, that you will give us everything we need. We trust in you today. We pray that you will help us to put you first above everything else. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing one more song before.